Today's reading is from Jonah chapter 3, beginning at the first verse. Then the word of the Lord came to Jonah a second time. Go to the great city of Nineveh and proclaim to it the message I give to you. Jonah obeyed the word of the Lord and went to Nineveh. Now Nineveh was a very large city. It took three days to go through it. Jonah began by going a day's journey into the city, proclaiming, 40 more days and Nineveh will be overthrown. The Ninevites believed God. A fast was proclaimed and all of them, from the greatest to the least, put on sackcloth. When Jonah's warning reached the king of Nineveh, he rose from his throne, took off his royal robes, covered himself with sackcloth and sat down in the dust. This is the proclamation he issued in Nineveh. By decree of the king and his nobles, do not let people or animals, herds or flocks, taste anything. Do not let them eat or drink. But let people and animals be covered with sackcloth. Let everyone call urgently on God. Let them give up their evil ways and their violence. Who knows? God may yet relent and with compassion turn from his fierce anger so that we will not perish. When God saw what they did and how they turned from their evil ways, he relented and did not bring on them the destruction he had threatened. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning, St. Michael's, and good morning as well to all our friends and visitors joining us this morning online. This period of enforced separation has, I'm sure, taught us all many things, some of them no doubt painful. But one of the most significant things it has emphasised to me is our universal brotherhood and sisterhood in Christ. I know that as members of St. Michael's, we are looking forward to the time when we can meet again in person in our church building. But we are no less a family when we are separate like this. And that is because wherever we are, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit bind us together as one family. And so as I sit here, physically speaking to a small black dot on my phone, I can fondly imagine us all as we really are, as a spiritual family, gathered together today as one body. As we begin, let me pray. God our Father, would you help me to speak your words today and help me and all of us to listen and to respond, to be doers of the word and not hearers only. Amen. Well, thank you very much to Guy for asking me to speak on this fascinating little section of the Old Testament. And thank you too to Guy and to Elizabeth for taking us through the first two chapters of Jonah over the past two weeks. You'll need to listen to their sermons to get the detail but at one level at least, the story of Jonah is very simple. Chapter 1, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh. Jonah runs away and gets tossed in the sea. Chapter 2, Jonah gets swallowed by a large fish and gets spat out on the land. Chapter 3, 
what we're looking at today, Jonah does go to Nineveh, and Nineveh repents. Chapter 4, well, you'll have to come back next week to find out. But let's not be deceived by the apparent simplicity of the story, nor be distracted by the striking imagery of storms and boats and fish, or by debates around what sort of fish it was, or how Jonah could survive, or whether the Ninevites were really as bad as people think they were. Because this book of Jonah, and perhaps this chapter 3 in particular, reveals great and timeless truths about God and challenges us deeply to review the attitudes of our hearts and our minds towards God and towards each other. There could be many sermons preached on Jonah 3, but for, the, for today we'll focus in on three themes. Firstly, God's unchanging word. Secondly, the faithlessness of God's prophet. And thirdly, the faithfulness of the godless city. If you have a Bible, do keep it open at Jonah 3. So first, God's unchanging word. Those of you with good memories or with your Bible open in front of you will have noticed that Jonah 3 begins in the same way as Jonah 1, with an instruction from God to Jonah. On each occasion, God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and to proclaim a word of warning or judgment against it. We can understand this as God giving Jonah a second chance. And while that may be true and is important and significant, I think the bigger truth is that God's word is unchanging and his message is the same through all time and to all people. Now the word in Hebrew that is translated here as word is the word commonly used throughout the Old Testament. And while its basic meaning is indeed word or message, it also means ways or customs or even character. And so we see that God's word is unchanging. That is, his message is unchanging, precisely because God's character is unchanging. God's instruction to Jonah in chapter 3 is the same as it was in chapter 1. And the message or word that Jonah was instructed to take to Nineveh is the same in chapter 3 as it was in chapter 1. Nothing that has happened in the meantime, not Jonah's disobedience, nor the storm, nor the fish, nor even Jonah's at least partial repentance in chapter 2. None of that has made God change his mind about what he wanted to say or who he wanted to say it. Well, how does this impact you and me? Let me suggest two ways. First a comfort, and then a challenge. Let's take it the other way around. Let's start with a challenge. So firstly, this should challenge us. Maybe you are aware, as I have been on a number of occasions, 
and as Jonah certainly was. Maybe you have been aware or are aware at the moment of a specific instruction from God. Speak to, do, or stop doing. You fill in the blanks. You'll know what they are. If you're like me, perhaps you'll hope that God will change his mind. That he won't, after all, want me to do whatever it is he's told me to do. But God won't change his mind. And as Guy showed from chapter 1, it's impossible to run away from God's word. And trying to do so has a real impact on us. So let's take time to reflect on what God has been saying to each of us. And, as the Apostle James encourages us to do in the New Testament, let us be doers of the word and not hearers only. And secondly then, a comfort. As the prophet Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 40, that great and wonderful proclamation of comfort to God's people. The grass withers and the flowers fall, but the word of the Lord stands forever. You don't need me to tell you about the difficulties and stress and tragedies that the coronavirus has brought over the last three or four months. And you also don't need me to tell you that as Christians we have not been immune from those tragedies and from those difficulties. But please let me encourage us to hang on to God's unchanging word as our anchor, as our rock, as our fortress in a changing world. There are many ways we could do this. But perhaps one I have found immensely encouraging and comforting myself is to read Psalm 23 as the last thing I do before I turn out the light at night. I've done this almost every night for the last four months to remind myself that God is in charge, that God is good, that he will lead me, that he will provide peace and comfort and that crucially no matter what I go through no matter how dark the valley no matter how deep the darkness I can do it simply because he is with me and that is an unchanging promise from God's unchanging world based on his unchanging character how wonderful as brothers and sisters in Christ, to be able to trust in a God like that. So first, God's unchanging word. Secondly then, the faithlessness, that might be a surprise, the faithlessness of God's prophet. Well, I suppose it shouldn't be a surprise really if you've listened to the past two sermons uh, brought to us by Guy and Elizabeth because they've already spoken a lot about Jonah's failings. And I'm sure there'll be more to come next week from chapter four. 
so I won't spend too much time dwelling on them here. I want only to point out that despite Jonah's life history as a prophet called by God, as a man who heard God clearly and who had seen, as Elizabeth pointed out last week, who had seen God's prophecies fulfilled, in spite of all of that, Jonah was still able and willing to disobey God. He was still able to refuse to take God's message of warning and therefore of hope to a people who needed to hear it. And he was still able, as we'll see in chapter 4, to presume on God's grace. So for all of us this morning who call ourselves Christians, let us hear this as a loving warning from our Father God. Let us hear that same warning, here's God's unchanging word, let us hear that same warning from the Apostle Paul in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians 10 who says this, if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Where is it in my life or in my heart that I am relying on the label Christian? Where am I relying on past repentance, on past obedience, on past intimacy with God, rather than obeying him in the present? Let all of us examine ourselves and, as before, let us be doers of the word, and not hearers only. So first, God's unchanging word. Second, the faithlessness of God's prophet. And third and finally, the faithfulness of the godless city. Now right at the outset here, let me be clear on what I am not saying. In referring to the faithfulness of the godless city, I am not saying that godlessness is good. I am not saying that we don't need to be saved. Nor am I saying that each of us can show faithfulness in our own way, that all roads lead to heaven, that all people will be saved in the end. What I am saying is that many of those who appear to be furthest from God may in the end be those who turn first, may be those who respond first to God's word in humble repentance and faith. Let's have a look at Nineveh in a little bit more detail. It seems clear from other sources that Nineveh at this time was not the capital city of the Syrian Empire, um, but rather a large and important uh, provincial centre. The king of Nineveh in chapter 3 verse 6 could equally be uh, applied to a sort of provincial governor, and it's unlikely to be the king of Assyria, because we know at that time he didn't have a palace or a throne in Nineveh. Nevertheless, Nineveh was a large city, especially for the ancient world. 
God calls it a great city in chapter 3, verse 2. And we read in chapter 3, verse 3, that it took three days to journey the length and breadth of Nineveh. We also see in chapter 4 that certainly by ancient standards, it was a large city. It had around 120,000 inhabitants. So Nineveh was a large and important city. Secondly, it was a godless city. And we see this conclusion affirmed uh, not only by the king of Nineveh, who orders the people in chapter 3, verse 8, to turn from their evil ways and from the violence that was in their hands. We also see it affirmed by the narrator, or indeed by God himself, who in chapter 3, verse 10, we read, God saw that they turned from their evil way. And thirdly, Nineveh was a city which had exalted itself. We read in chapter 3, verse 3, that Nineveh was an exceedingly great city. Now, another way to translate that phrase could be a city that was great to God, or alternatively, a city that was great to the gods. Now, I wonder if here we have an, e an echo of the Tower of Babel in Genesis 11, or an echo forward to the city of Babylon in Revelation. So we see in Nineveh, a city that was not only physically large and characterized by violence, but also a city that was proud and had exalted itself, had tried to make itself divine. And yet, and yet, in spite of its importance, in spite of its godlessness, and in spite of its pride, when the Ninevites hear God's word, they repent. They turn to him in humility and obedience. The Ninevites responded to the warning from God by not only hearing God's word, but crucially by doing it, by acting in response to it. And God, when he sees their response, turns from the destruction which he had threatened. The contrast is stark. Jonah, the prophet, who had heard God's word and seen God at work, disobeyed. Nineveh, the godless city which had defied God, trusted and obeyed and received God's blessing. So what about you and me? How should we respond to this message from Jonah? Well, maybe you are listening today and whether you call yourself a Christian or not, you are overwhelmed by a sense of your distance from God. Maybe you know only too well the things that you have done or the things that you have not done. Those things that keep you awake 
in the small hours of the night. The things that you would be terrified to admit even to your closest friend. If that is you, take courage. Remember the Ninevites. God has always been and remains a God who calls people back to himself. So much so that he sent his son Jesus to die so that that would be possible. Turn to him, trust him, obey him and receive the forgiveness that he offers. Maybe, on the other hand, you have trusted Jesus for your salvation. You know you are a Christian. And this morning, your conscience is clear. Well, praise God. Praise God. How wonderful it is to know and to experience his love and his forgiveness. But if that is you, heed the warning. Be careful you don't fall. Remember that you too were once like the Ninevites. Remember that you too were once far from God. That you too were once outside of his promises. So why not take some time today to meditate on the wonder and the glory of salvation. To thank God for it and to rededicate yourself to Jesus. And finally, and I suspect this may be many of us, maybe you are here today feeling overwhelmed by what seems to be the unending upheaval, the unending evil in the world. A world where evil seems to abound at every turn. A world of slavery, of sexual exploitation, of social and racial injustice, a world of violence and pain. If that is you, then you too remember the Ninevites. God is willing and able to bring people back to himself. It's what he's been doing ever since Adam and Eve first sinned. God is on his throne, just as he always has been. His character is unchanging. So let us thank God for his unchanging promises and for his unchanging character. And let us pray for our city and the world. Let us pray that God would send Jonas to speak his truth. And let us ask every one of us how in our small way, in our lives, we can act in faith to speak truth and blessing to those around us. Amen.